Welcome to episode 22 of the F1 Show for the first 2008 preseason analysis. I'm Robin Warner. I'm Jim Lau, and a lot of things have been sorted out since the last time we brought you an episode near the end of 2007. We've got a complete driver lineup, some other news, and a bunch of new car releases and so on, so let's get into it. Yes, but first and foremost, <laughs> first and foremost, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, a Spirited Kwanzaa, and of course... Happy New Year. Uh, we're excited that 2008 has finally arrived, and we personally cannot wait for the coming F1 season. So, that being said, Jim, do you want to start us off with the newness? Well, the biggest thing we left left you guys hanging with at the end of last year was the driver lineup. Well, yes. We, we didn't quite know who was going to be where. The big question was, where's Fernando Alonso going to go? Is, is he going to leave McLaren? It was pretty obvious that he was, and he did. He's he did. Back at Renault, back to where he maybe belongs. And uh, where he won his two world championships. Was he put back in his place, could you say? Did Hamilton put him in his place? Um, could be. I, I just don't think he really fit in at McLaren. And I uh, really just didn't want didn't to stay with him. He's back at, uh, back at Renault, back home, I guess. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be curious to see because Renault was way off the pace in 07. Um, I mean, I guess you want to have a good working relationship. You know, you want to have fun when you go to, go to work every day. But you'd want to win. I mean, you know, will, yeah. will he be able to win? This is a guy that's been in a competitive car ever since he's been in the sport Yeah. after Minardi, pretty much. Renault wasn't a top-notch car the first year Alonso was in the car, but he won a race in it, and it wasn't completely out of the pace. And since then, it had been a competitive car, but when Alonso moved to McLaren for 07, Renault lost their Michelin tires, and... With that in hand, they ended up taking a few steps back. And and they still employed Giancarlo Fisichella, which was, you know, kind of a bad move. Oops. Yeah. yeah. So now they were, you know, a front-running mid-pack team, mid team, but they were a mid-pack team. And they've got a very strong team in BMW Sauber to deal with, not to mention the momentum that McLaren and Ferrari still have. They're still the powerhouses. Uh, not to mention Williams is continuing to try to claw back and become a world champion team again. They're continuing to get more sponsors and get more money. They've got great driver in Nico Rosberg and a yet-to-be-proven driver in Kaz Nakajima. But uh, all that being said, Renault, it's it's a risk that Alonso took. Yeah, and his co-driver, or his uh, teammate, I should say, is going to be Nelson Piquet Jr. Um, so that's a complete new set of drivers for Renault for 2008. Um, the, the old drivers... Uh, a reused driver well, and a new one. True enough. Know. Okay, different from last year. Renault is recycling. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Um, Heike Kovalainen, who was in Renault last year, has moved to McLaren Mercedes. So it's going to be Lewis Hamilton and Heike Kovalainen, two you know, young guys um, that uh, they've raced together before in the past, but they're not really your know, buddies or whatever. But I think they're already getting along much better um, because... I guess Hickey doesn't sort of have the chip on his shoulder of being just a world champion and being feel like he's being neglected or whatever. They already sort of learned from last year's drama, and they're starting out on a more positive note. And hopefully that'll work out well for them, and they'll be able to work together and be very competitive on track, but not you know at each other's throats off track. Well, Hickey's not coming in with that same, I'm a double world champion and I deserve certain things, chip on his shoulder. And he's also coming in excited to be in a more competitive car. I mean, really, you know, Heike Kovalainen is the one that came up, you know, aces on this because 
you know, he was proving himself at Renault pretty well, and you know, he was very likely going to stay there. But I think he's going to be in a better situation with McLaren, and this is going to give him uh, more credentials as a driver, not less. And he he really comes up big on this. I think one thing we have to keep in mind, though, is at the end of last year, when we heard that, uh, or uh, the end of two years ago now, the end of 06, when we heard that Fernando Alonso was going to McLaren, that seemed like a bonehead move because, I mean, Renault had just all the pace for the last two years. And, you know, it was the you know class of the field, and Fernando was doing really, really well with it. And Kimi Raikkonen was having nothing but troubles and, uh, you know, missing out on the world championship in, the, in his McLaren. And we sort of said, why, would, why in the world would you go to McLaren except for the money yeah. when it turned out to be the much more competitive car and the Renault has really dropped off? So whether Fernando anticipated that with the tire change and with the personnel changes and budgets and everything else that changed, or if it was sort of a lucky break that he got into a more competitive team at, uh, at McLaren, or if, McL- or if Renault really suffered after losing Fernando Alonso, I guess it's, it's hard to say, and it's probably a combination of all those things. Yeah, I would definitely say it's some of both. <clears throat> But, you know, I think the circumstances for him leaving this time around are much different. I mean, oh, certainly. the McLaren move was a very calculated and proved to be a very clever move in terms of car performance and competitiveness. But, you know, this time around it was emotional. And, you know, I hope, I hope the best for Alonzo. I think, uh, you know, Jim and I included, he got a pretty hard rap from the media. And, you know, it, it probably isn't quite as one-sided as a lot of people make it out to be. But from what we see and what we know, it's hard not to look at Alonzo and kind of think of him as, you know, a bit of a, a cock. Yeah, there's definitely a lot in play there with all the teams and the, you know, orders and certainly a lot that goes on behind closed doors that neither us nor anyone else in the media really knows about. But, you know, still, I think it'll just be a better situation overall because he definitely knows, you know, if nothing else, you know, Flavio Buratori and they have a the team principal of Renault, um, and they have a relationship there, and there's certain expectations I know that they're going to have. So that should be that should be a solid, you know, solid team. And then Nelson Piquet Jr. Um, is he coming from GP2, right? Correct. Correct. Do you know about him? GP2? Anything? Yeah. Well, he is the son of Nelson Piquet, who won the F1 World Championship in 1983. Uh, he's raced in British Formula Three. He's been in GP2. Uh, he was testing for Renault this year. Uh, in 2007, and we'll get the drive for 08. So he's one of the, he's he's a pretty big name driver. He's a son of a champion. So we'll see how he does. I mean, he's definitely a good driver, but I don't know if he's going to be the phenom that we've seen last year. So yeah, there's a lot of young drivers in the field. I mean, I'm just looking down the list here, and uh, you know, with Nelson Piquet Jr. just coming up. Um, you know, and Sebastian Vettel is still at the uh, Scuderia Toro Rosso, still being probably the youngest guy out there. 19 years old. Yeah. Lewis Hamilton turned 23, like, last week. Heike Kovalainen. I mean, McLaren is a so young team now. is Lewis uh, retiring this year? Is this going to be his swan song? Or is he going to try one more year? I, I... Well, I tell you what, he rene- renegotiated his contract for 08, and I think he's making a little bit more money than he was last year. Really? Oh, yeah. It turns out he made about $700,000, um, which is like 8 euros or something. Um, but uh, last year, you know, plus his bonuses and his points and all this other stuff. So, I mean, he, he made out pretty well for a rookie uh, rookie driver. But that's not 200-foot yacht money. No, but this year he's probably doing pretty well for himself with the McLaren budget. You know, if they've got any money left over after paying out their $100 million fine, then hopefully they've found the, the money to pay Lewis. And, uh, you know, that should be sort of a – it makes McLaren sort of a younger, hungrier team, which is funny because, you know, Kimi Raikkonen – you know, has been in it for a while, and when he was at McLaren, I never thought of him as really, you know, that that young or up and coming. I mean, when he... Kimi Raikkonen's my age. Yeesh. Yikes. Whoa. And then you know, David Coulthard, I don't think was ever young. 
And um, you know, so so Heike Kovalainen is is joining the uh, you know the, the league of his of his countrymen in McLaren. McLaren seems to be like Team Finn over the years with uh, Kiki oh, Rosberg. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a huge that's know, a huge thing that they've Mika always Hakkinen, had. Mika Hakkinen, Kimi Raikkonen, yeah. yep, absolutely. And so Heike's all excited that he's like joining his you know kinsman as a you know Finnish McLaren driver, and that's that you know it all kind of works out. Quick thought: um, David Coulthard was never young. I'm pretty sure that's true. Okay, so does that mean? He came out of the womb that age, or that he never came out of the womb. He was just kind of always no. There. He no. He's been like that since day one. Then that chin, the stubble, That's and, what I'm and everything. No, it was like that from day one. His mother you know had what? to go through. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to. Want to think yeah, about you know that. what I'm saying though. I certainly do. Ouch. So going down the list, um, uh, since and, and so the, the team numbers are all assigned in the order in which teams finished in the championship in 2007. Ooh, 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 ooh. Are we going down the list? We're going down the list. Okay, just to clarify because we've been babbling on about this. McLaren now has a committed driver's lineup in Lewis Hamilton and Heike Kovalainen. Okay, they're at the bottom of the list. Are we going up the Oops. list or down the list? No, but I'm just – because that's what we were just talking about. It's tight. We'll get there when we get to the list. And then, okay, Alonzo and, and – some... All right, go ahead. Scuderia Ferrari Marlboros, Kimi Raikkonen and Felipe Massa, same as last year. They're number one and two because they won the championship, the Constructors' Championship. Good, good going for them, and that's – I mean, there's no reason to think they won't be competitive next year. Very interested to see how Kimi and Felipe get along this year. Uh, is Felipe Massa going to kind of slowly but surely turn into the assisting assisting driver? Is he going to become the next Rubens Barrichello? Is he going to Barrichello Kimi Schumacher? Or is he going to <laughs> really you know push I mean. and try to be the F1 champion him, himself this year? And is he going to push harder this year? Be a little less friendly as a teammate this year? I don't know. Ferrari's usually been pretty strict with that. So that is something to look for for 2008. I am interested to see that and keep an eye on that. Yes. Next is the uh, sort of the been the best of the rest team, BMW Sauber F1, with Nick Heidfeld and Robert Kubica. Quick Nick, and yeah, and Roberto Kubica, and <laughs> in, in Crash Kubica, yeah. Um, but uh, so they're, I mean, same driver lineup as last year. They they were pretty solid by the end of the year. I think it'd be really cool to see them get some race wins and be up there dicing with the top of the of the leaderboard. And I think they can. Well, BMW Sauber's goal this year is to win a race, and I think they'll do it. And I think they'll do it with Nick Heidfeld. Interesting. That's my prediction. Interesting. Yes. We'll, we'll have to look back on this at the end of the season and see and how And I think when out. he wins, he's going to say, hooray! I am the winner! <laughs> Yay! Hooray for all! All right. Third in the, in the Constructors' Championship was Renault. And as we mentioned, that's going to be Fernando Alonso and our boy Nelson Piquet Jr. Already said that. Didn't have to repeat it. AT&T Williams uh, will have Nico Rosberg and Kaz Nakajima. Now, Kazuki Nakajima was only only drove in the uh, Brazilian Grand Prix last year, but he, he did a solid job. He was dicing with uh, Lewis Hamilton for a little bit there and, and you know, didn't didn't do anything really crazy that I remember. So no, no, nothing really crazy. He kept his uh, wits about him. Did not overdrive the car, as it were. Yeah. Um, we did get a comment about Kaz Nakajima not being. Uh, we said he had a solid season in GP two, and someone took it. And that you was know, that disagreed was question. That. that was question. Although I'd say if he made the, if he got the F one drive, then solid enough. You know. That's what I say. Uh, solid enough, and he he really did quite well. He uh, had a lot of podium positions and. Uh, he ended up fifth in the title. So, I, I mean, no, he was not a standout, but he, he did well, and I guess I take that back. He was a standout because he's an F1, so yeah, there you have you it. Can't argue with success. And uh, Alex Wirtz, who was the driver last year, is in a testing role. That's all confirmed, and he's going to be back doing what he does best and just testing the car and providing engineering feedback. But without and just all... being an all-around good guy. Yeah, and, you know, I'd like to just have a beer with Alex Wirtz. You know, he'd be, he'd be a good piece. And uh, apparently, you know, just without all the glitz and glamour and nonsense, 
as it were, of being a driver, but he just gets to, you know, drive around a Formula One car all day. Yeah. Next is Red Bull Racing with uh, Team Old Guys with uh, David Coulthard and Mark Webber. Same as it ever was. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, they're still in the sport. I you guess. know, it's, it's interesting to me because Red Bull is an energy drink. And that energy drink gives you wings. And that energy drink that gives you wings tends to be associated with young people. And it's just ironic to me that they have the two oldest drivers in the lineup. I mean, I don't know. It's just one of those little ironies. I mean, they're good drivers. They're capable drivers. They're completely reasonable spokesmen and, and, and showmen the, for the team. But it's just ironic to me. Well, sort of the point of Red Bull getting into Formula One a couple of years ago anyway was their whole driver search, and they were going to bring in new talent, and they had a whole sort of ladder sort of out of, of you know how to get young people in the sport and, and new drivers. And... You know the Scott Speed thing obviously didn't pan out quite so quite as well as they expected, I guess. And well, it, I think Scott did very well for them, and, and actually Red Bull themselves, you know, are were happy with Scott, and Red Bull is still sponsoring Scott now that he's in uh, NASCAR. So fast he's, he's in a left, Red Bull man. sponsored car, so it, it's just that. But the as far team as the that, whole Formula One program is like, you know, we're yeah. gonna have we're gonna find the drivers and we're gonna start the next generation, and that. That fizzled out. Didn't really quite happen. Although, I mean, Sebastian Vettel and Scuderia Toro Rosso is doing well, and we'll we'll, have to, we'll see. We'll, we'll we'll get there in a second. Yeah, the so, American the American so, driver in F one kind of fizzled out. Yeah. But hey, I mean, so but I mean, I guess they're old guys. They need Red Bull more than anyone else, right? I mean, these little whippersnappers they have all their energy. It's but, not uh, Viagra, you know. Well, they need to stay awake for these races, though. You know, they're hours long. True enough. We got Panasonic Toyota Racing with Yarno Trulli and no more Ralph Schumacher. We got our boy Timo Glock. Timo Glock, he's the new kid in town. He actually raced before in a Jordan, came back, went and raced a champ car, and last year he was in the GP2 championship, which he won. And uh, Toyota has recognized the talent, and here he goes, and we're looking forward to seeing him do well and uh, make Toyota the team it could always be. Uh, they're also, um, they've been given three years by Toyota management um, to win like, you know, go big or go home, basically. If you don't, they, they've sort of said if Toyota doesn't have a race win, I guess it's by 2010, um, that uh, then they're going to pull the plug on it or, or whatever. They Actually, they never really said what they would do if they, if, if you know, if that they would actually cancel the team or, or disband it um, if they don't have a race win. But it's been said from Toyota management, basically, you've got two years, you know, two or three years to get a win. And uh, we'll see if that can happen. I mean, it's... They, you know, they, maybe they'll develop the car and make something amazing happen. But it's—I'd I'd be surprised if they came out with really strong form. But uh, maybe they can work at it through the season and, and get there. It'd be a shame to see him go. However, I think if I were Toyota management, I'd be saying the same thing. Yeah. So there's only so much money you can throw at it without results and still consider it a good idea. Right. But but this, see, here's the interesting thing: nothing against Timo Glock, nothing against Yarno Truly. You're spending all this kind of money. I mean, they should be getting. Give Michael Schumacher $80 trillion and say, look, you really can't turn us down. You have to race our car. You know, you know, fetch Fernando Alonso. Fetch Flavio Briatore while you're at it to help fetch Fernando Alonso. You <laughs> yeah. have the money. That Toyota is a team more than any other team other than Ferrari that should have the very best drivers in the world. And if I don't know what because just because they can afford it, just they really want to win. Because they can afford it and they really want to win. I'm kind of surprised they have a. Nothing against Yarno truly. I think he's a good driver. I think he's done a lot for the team. But they really need to be in a place. If they if it's a put up or shut up situation, then they need to put up and put drivers 
in the car that are really ready to push. I think it's not even that, but just that they needed to have drivers that are hungry, you know, and it's, they've got, you know, Yarno truly has been in it for a number of years and he's, I mean, let's whatever. be honest, he's well fed. Yeah. I mean, the, the dude's, you know, doing all right for himself. So, you know, like Fernando a couple of years ago with, you know, he just went nuts with Renault and, and really wanted it or like Lewis Hamilton this year, or, you know, Heike Kovalainen and, you know, some of these guys and, and, you know, Sebastian Bourdais just getting into the sport and wanting to prove himself. seems like, you know, Timo Glock obviously wants to, uh, I mean, everyone wants to do well, but, uh, I don't know if these guys are really going to have sort of the, you know, really sort of anything goes, just scrap and do anything you possibly can to gain positions and, and really go, you know, so far to win. But I think more it's sort of the organization of Toyota. I mean, they don't have a single, you know, team principal like Flavio Briatore that's making all the calls or making the hard decisions or, or really sort of steering the entire philosophy of the team in one way. They yeah, they of, should buy one. Yeah. Or like they don't have, you know, a Ross Braun sort of technical strategist genius to. Well, they should get him too. But they could have both. I mean, honestly, they they make a trillion cars a day. They should just buy Ferrari and just call I mean, them Toyotas. I, okay, just... I, okay. You know what? No, I'm just... starting to get upset here. Okay, we'll stop talking about Toyota. No, 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 no. Because okay. I, you got me started. Listen, Toyota, you are, you are very likely to be the number one car maker in the world next year. You almost did it this year. GM just barely eked you out. I'm not even sure how. And you you build you build everything. You do everything efficiently. You listen, listen, just listen to me. Is Toyota management listening? Buy and hire the best people you can. Pay them a lot of money. Let them do whatever they want to do, and then you'll get your race win. My phone number is seven three four. Yeah, I mean, so I. Okay, I know. I'm sorry. I well, kinda... I mean, we'll have to see because I mean, I'm just upset is all. It'll be interesting. I kind of I like their approach because they're sort of saying, "Hey, let's try something different." Because you know, maybe there's something to the group mindset of if there's all these different people with their different input, maybe we can come up with wins that way and sort of have a different way to go about it. But I think maybe they're finding that eh, the current system's in place for a reason, and that's what seems to work is having sort of a single focal point of you know the single director that really sort of has his hands on all the different uh, parts of the team and really just makes it all work and has a proper vision. Yeah. I mean, you look at a guy like Ron Dennis when uh, a couple years back when he was building his brand new facility, Paragon, his F1 team, the Paragon. People were saying he's losing focus. He's not focusing on the team and stuff. This guy built this pristine, amazing facility, and now his team is just. I mean. He can see two, three years in advance and see these things in a big way. Flavio Briatore is such a character, but he just he has these ways of predicting, predicting and knowing what's going to happen in the race. Toyota doesn't have anyone like that. Yeah, they've got a, a committee and everything sort of got to go through then get compromised on or whatever, and that's just apparently not what it takes in, uh, to to really get out there and win. So hopefully they can they can get a race win and, and you know continue to be solid. I think it'd be cool to see him do that and actually and do well because otherwise it's. Sort of a waste of money, you know, just to right, pour right. a bunch of money into it when it's not a team with the history or the, you know, of a McLaren or Honda or Ferrari or something like that. It's just sort of, it'd be too bad to sort of see them come and go and never really make their mark. Um, but, at, you know, the other end, if, it, if it's really not working out, you got to, you got to, you know, take it out back. Shoot right. that F1 program. Timo Glock, here's your chance to prove us wrong. Yeah, man, hit it up. Get some you wins. are the superstar that uh, Toyota needs, and we're wrong. Prove it. <laughs> So what what is Toyota's numbers? I didn't. Well, guess they are eleven and twelve. Really? So you think the next car will be number thirteen? Thirteen and fourteen, right? You think who's number thirteen? Nobody. What? Sebastian Bourdais is fourteen. Sebastian Vettel is fifteen. What? Which leads us to the fact that there's uh, apparently no thirteen. What? Why? 
someone, Bernie Ecclestone, okay, one time walked under a ladder, and then there was a black cat and a mirror, and it all kind of went wrong, and he's like, apparently decided that there should be no F- Formula One car with a number 13 on it. This has probably been in place for like 50 years, and we just haven't realized it. But looking on the car list, this just tonight, because I guess we never really looked at the numbers of the cars in the, in the mid-pack. I mean, everyone, everyone past 12, it's like, it hardly yeah, really matters. Past 10. But there's no 13. Why is there not any 13? It's like there's no 13th floor of the hotel. It's like Sebastian Bourdais is just as unlucky because he should be 13, you know? It's kind of yeah. like the 14th floor of the hotel. It's, yeah. it's just 13th floor. You're just calling it 14 so you feel better. Yeah, seriously. Okay, 13 is a number. And this is Formula One, technology, blah, blah, blah. And this is, this is an old Brit, an old stodgy Brit. They're not supposed to be superstitious. Amen. They're supposed to be analytical. Everybody's got their thing. So anyway, don't get it. That pisses me off. I can tell. Scuderia Toro Rosso okay. is uh, next up to Toyota. 14 and 15. And that's Team Sebastian with uh, Sebastian Bourdais coming off from Champ Car from his, like, 84-time Champ Car champion or whatever. What yeah, he, he was Five good. in a row or something? Four in a row. Yeah. Four in a row. So he's unmesswithable in Champ Cars. Hopefully that translates into Formula One because I think it'd be cool for him to follow the lineage of, you know, Champ Car drivers that jump over to F1 and uh, to do well. Yeah, see, the last two Champ Car drivers that made the jump to Formula One. Ooh, can I guess? Go for it. Juan Pablo Montoya and Cristiano D'Amata. Yes. Yes! Good one. Yes. Had mixed success. Well, and that and, and that Juan Pablo Montoya did pretty well, and Cristiano D'Amata drove for Toyota. Right. But both of them have ended up out of F1 now, uh, and Cristiano D'Amata, I think, got a little bit of a bum rap. I think he was plenty competitive. Toyota didn't agree, but whatever. And uh, also, if you go back one step further, we also had Alex Zanardi. Uh, he was in Champ Car, came back to F1, and two out of three did not have much success. And then if you go back again, we had Michael Andretti. Yeah, that's my boy. And he didn't have much success in F1. So it's one in four in terms of success in F1. And in Juan Pablo Montoya. All right, Montoya all right, stop talking. you got to jinx him. Okay, dude. so this is my point. For a day, you got to break this cycle. But they were, I guess they weren't ever like three time champions. That was Juan Pablo. I mean, he was good. They were all. They were all were... Montoya, Juan Montoya was a champion his rookie year. Yeah. Oh, man. He like Hamilton to Champ Car. Right. Almost. Well, well I mean, or he, he all... better than Hamilton and Champ Car. No, I mean, he call. actually did. Hamilton I mean, almost Hamilton. And that's actually. Hamilton almost montoya Formula One. It was, it was in points. I forget what season. It was either 99 or 2000. And it was Montoya's rookie season. He was with Target Chip Ganassi. And. Points, he actually tied, I think it was 99 points each with Dario Franchitti for Team Cool Green in Champ Car at the time. But Juan Pablo Montoya had one more win than Dario and got the championship. Ooh. So it was really close, that just like this season. So it is Man. close to the Hamilton thing. Maybe I should watch actually, Champ Car or something. Yeah, Montoya actually pulled it out. No. Yeah, see, but Champ Car these days is not so much that. It's different now. Yeah, it's all tricky now with push to pass and crazy tires and all that. Yeah, and it's street courses almost everywhere. You know what doesn't have push-to-pass or tricky tires? It's Honda Racing F1, which is the next team down the list. Numbers okay. 16 and 17. Yeah. Jenson Bouton and our boy Rubens Barrichello. Yeah. And Those guys are nice. And now newly hired Ross Braun as their new tech director. And uh, they apparently just offered him, made him an offer he couldn't refuse. And apparently, and Ross Braun was out of Ferrari last year. He was you know, Ferrari technical director and On Michael Schumacher's, Michael Schumacher's race engineer. Right. Um, and last year he was... Just out hanging out on his yacht or something. He wasn't in Formula One, and uh, now he's coming into Honda. And he says that wasn't any any you know master 
conspiracy plan where he had to stay out of the team so he couldn't get secrets or anything like that. It was just he was like, oh, I didn't know what I was going to do. I figured I'd take sabbatical. Honda has hired him. And uh, so it's going to be you know him working with Rubens Barrichello again. We were joking. It'd be funny if the first thing Ross Braun does on the job is to fire Rubens. Man, I never liked that guy. Yeah. Fire. But that's not going to happen. They're apparently all pleased to be working together. And um, hopefully that will give Honda the direction they need. And they do need it. I mean, here we are talking about them after Scuderia Toro Rosso, after Toyota. I mean, yep. they, they definitely sucked it up last year. But it's interesting that we're talking about the two Japanese teams, and they were kind of stumbling in the same direction. I mean, Honda certainly wasn't throwing the same kind of money Toyota was. But it was another team that had flirted with success and then was just going backwards and didn't seem to have any real direction. And Honda is basically listening to the plea I just gave to Toyota. Put some big money in front of a big name and say, listen, we need your help. I think Ross Braun's going to be... If anyone out there is able to do it, I think he's going to be one of the people to do it. One of the worst things they did was get rid of the uh, pro. The, oh shit! I can't Nick, Dry, Nick Fry? No, or no. Oh, David Richards. David Richards. The uh, David David Richards I thought was brilliant for the team. That was back when it was Bar Honda. He he's the uh, president, CEO, owner, founder. I don't know what of uh, Pro Drive which does all sorts of slick rally cars and race cars, and they did the uh, Aston Martin Le Mans car and some other things. So anyway, Dave Richards was pretty brilliant, and he they let him go and became factory Honda, and it's been downhill ever since. So I think Ross Braun, other than Dave Richards, is going to be the one guy that can uh, bring him back. Yeah, I hope to see him back at the top as well. I guess I, I guess I probably said that about everybody. I mean, I hope everyone does well. Maybe I hope we have a different winner for every race. How about that? I hope it's a tie for the Constructors' Championship at the well, end of the year. Well, this is what's interesting. From the beginning, when I started watching Formula 1 more closely, that's probably about five, six years ago now, um, it seems like the team and the professionalism that are in the teams and the level of teams and the amount of factory teams has gone up, and it's certainly tightened. I mean, you know... They're, the gaps from front to back are a lot tighter than they used to be. I mean, back in the day, Minari used to be seven, eight seconds back, one lap, you know, given lap times. Yeah. You know, we don't see that anymore. So it's interesting. These teams definitely have tightened up. And if Honda can get their act together, if Renault can come back to where they were, and Toyota can start making some things happen, I mean, it could get really, really tight up front. That would be sweet. Yeah, man, it almost be like Champ Car. <laughs> <laughs> just, to, uh, just, to, just to bring it all, all just, full yeah. circle. Okay. Uh, well, and right behind Honda in uh, numbers 18 and 19, Takuma Sato and Anthony Davidson in Super Aguri F1. Yes. Same driver lineup as last year, and again, it's great to see you know any any little you know sparkles of success from that team out of yep. the, out of out of nowhere is uh, is always good. Anthony Davidson, I gotta say, hasn't really done much for me lately. I mean, Takuma sort of has these moments of brilliance. Takuma Sato is a god. And Anthony Davidson is a good driver, but I guess next to Takumasato's godliness is a person. Yeah. 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 Adrian Sutil <laughs> <laughs> drives for Force India Formula One team, uh, formerly known as what were they at? last year? They Spiker. were Spiker. Yeah. Before that, they were MF One. Before that, they were Midland. Before that, they were Jordan. Yes. 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 And uh, bonus point. Yes. Um, so. Anyway, Force India now is owned by a sort of, I think, an Indian consortium of businesses, and there's some couple business guys in there and whatever. Um, and Adrian Sutil is uh, is on the list, and Giancarlo Fisichella. And Kartikeyan? Yeah, we thought Narayan Kartikeyan was in that. No, He's we, a shoe-in. Why? Because he's Indian. He Indian team. I mean, the the team's called Team Force India. you think they'd have an Indian driver. Although you'd think Red Bull would have young drivers. But when you get Well, okay, so what do you think? But no. 
Who's Adrian Sutil's teammate? I don't even want to say, say it. it. Just um, say it. Fisichella. Why? Giancarlo Fisichella? That dude has no stuff. That's like not using the number 13. That's Giancarlo Fisichella should be number 13. He should be number 13. Ugh. So anyway, I guess they're going to hire him for some reason. I don't know what he did if he put like nitroglycerin in the tank right before he tested the car and he was somehow two, three-tenths of a second faster. I mean, you'd think even like Tony Oliuzzi would be a more interesting choice than, than, than Fisichella, but... The one thing Fisichella has is experience. It going slowly. I mean, it you know, losing. I know. I mean, he's won a couple of races. We'll give him credit. He's won a couple of races. When he's when he's but got he's so the, when, hot and when, cold, he's when so he's emotional. Got, yeah, when he's got the, the best car of the field, he can win like two races in a season. I'll tell you what, and he I, can crash a lot, and he can be slow a lot too, and I'll he can stall on with exiting pits. He can do a lot of things. If I he's got if a lot I, of experience, <laughs> that's true. If I owned a Formula One team, I would hire him, and I would hire him to be my clothing model because he was really good at that, really committed, really you know looked for the right angles, looked for good lighting. I mean, come on, he's Roman, you know. You know, had great hair. But beyond that, I'm sorry. I'm not seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Force India's seeing it. So, um... I don't know what they're seeing. Well, he, I mean, he's, he's a very... He's a sexy man. Yeah. Adrian Sutil, you know, he, he seems to be a pretty quick guy. This Team Force India, man, it's going to be tough. Are they going to be the new uh, the new minority? I mean, well... I, we'll, we'll see. I mean, we'll have to... They haven't debuted their car yet, and we haven't seen, you know, testing times or that kind of stuff yet. So, that's a big question mark, though. That is. The F1 show is putting a big question mark on that one. That's that's the one we're not going to like, oh, they're going to be up at the front of it. They're like, it's going to be everybody, and then it's going to be Force India. Maybe. Right. But we don't know. Maybe but they're going to be know. brilliant. I don't know. John Carlos Fisichel, I can't see him being brilliant. How do you say rolling chicane in Indian? You know, <laughs> I don't think Indian is a language, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Oh, well, Hindu. Um, yes. Um, well, well, is Hindu? Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I'm really. There's, there's a lot I'm of offending people. Right there's now. a lot. I'm of not trying. There to. are many languages in India that we just don't even know. Yeah, you're probably right. So, Fisichella is going to uh, learn a lot of those, I'm sure, and um, <laughs> be able to. Uh, he'll he'll know how to say rolling chicane, and it'll be great. Yes, and he's going to look excellent in a sari. And you know who's going to be driving all around that rolling chicane is number 22, Lewis Hamilton, former McLaren Mercedes. Oh yes, the back markers. And number 23, Heki Kovalainen. With the smallest garages of the whole field, and they may not even have enough room to get their motorhome in there, but they will be uh, McLaren Mercedes uh, dead last in the Constructors' Championship, even behind Force India, which didn't even really exist last year. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I mean, because cheaters never win and winners never cheat. You know what? It's going to be refreshing for McLaren to be the small guy again in certain aspects, and and uh, it'll, it is not going to make any to, difference. It's going to force them to be more efficient in the smaller garages. They will make it work. They were going to make it, use it to their advantage. So uh, I, I, I think it'll be fine. I don't think. It's what are you make, worried about? It's not going to make. There's a, nothing to worry it's about. It's not going to make a bit of difference. McLaren's going to be awesome again next year. I, I sure hope. My so. boy Lewis is going to get his championship. I hope they can lower the price of their bloody shirts because I wanted one with the little things. Oh, on but, the shoulder. oh they're nice. They're so it's well fifty six dollars. It's well ventilated. All right, I can ventilate for less than fifty six dollars. Well, fair enough. But you just don't—you don't get to rep Hamilton then if you don't. You bought a Rubens Barrichello shirt, dude. Shut it was the, twenty you bucks. <laughs> exactly. It was twenty dollars. Cheap bastard. Rubens Barrichello offers good deals. <laughs> That's Formula One, man. You gotta—you gotta—you gotta pay to to represent the best, I guess. All right. Well, I, I don't—I don't make McLaren money yet. I'm gonna have to work harder, I suppose. Extra overtime, as it as it were. Yes. 
So that's the driver lineup. That's probably far more information than you care to know about yes, all the different drivers. And but not a very efficient package. Hey, no, it's all in order. It was great. <laughs> um, so Ferrari has introduced the F2008. Um, they've had it out on track now, testing. It meets all the new regulations, but it is of course, super swoopy. They're going to be they're going to be um, testing it and developing it as the se- as the season or as the preseason goes on. So even probably it's going to look pretty different by the time they get to Melbourne for the opening round, um, just because they're going to you know they're all they're always in the wind tunnel. They're doing as much testing as they possibly can. But it does meet all the regulations, and apparently it works pretty well. Now, Jim, it has the best feature on it that Ferrari was advertising was their hot new SECU. And uh, maybe our viewers, our listeners, would be interested in hearing what that is. Basically, well, the S stands for standard. And it is a standard ECU or electronic control unit. And this is part of what the FIA is doing for cost savings. Um, And I don't know how much it's actually going to work and help them, but... Terrible idea. It's, it's one of these things kind of like going to a single tire where it's so much testing and so much development for to adapt the Michelin cars to Bridgestone tires that it's like, and, you know, and same sort of thing. So the idea with the standardized ECU is that everyone's going to have the same engine control unit, so teams won't have to spend time developing the engine control unit. But teams do have to spend time re-engineering the cars they already have because it's not like they start with a clean sheet of paper every so year. It works with the standard. So it'll work with this unit. different control unit rather than their own. So how much cost, how much time, you know, money it's actually saving, we don't know. And I guess as the years go on, if they can, do, if they do develop a you know completely fresh you know fresh new car, and they don't have to develop an ECU for it, then maybe there will actually be some savings there. But we'll have to see. This is part of the two-year engine freeze, which I just absolutely deplore. I think this is terrible. Uh, I, there, there's other ways to keep the power down. I mean, cost savings, there's, there's just better ways to do it. Certainly. And I mean, we don't, we don't run the show and obviously there's a lot going on there, but I mean, come on, we do run a show. We do run a show, but not, not the show. Um, so, but the standard ECU, um, is, it doesn't include any traction control. That's, uh, one of the big changes as far as the rules that the, uh, so which, in most applications, I mean, it's going to be a little more driver skill than just electronics. And that's a good thing. Which I agree with. And, and the only tricky part is in the rain or whatever. I mean, you wonder if, if you know, in, if the Fuji Grand Prix, you know, in the Japanese Grand Prix of Fuji last year when it was like monsoon conditions, if half the field would have just spun off the track without traction control, it would have been like, okay, well, there's that big crash, and now there's four cars going around. Yeah, but you know what? I hate that argument because I, that was, I read that in one of the articles. It's like, oh, you're asking Lewis Hamilton or somebody. Don't you think it's going to be unsafe now that you don't have traction control in the rain? It's like, no, it's a race car. I mean, that. I mean, I, the guy, it was either Kovalainen or Hamilton, said, look, race cars are really unsafe. The fact that it doesn't have traction control now is not going to be the difference between, you know, a safe and an unsafe car. And and you know what? It takes driver skill, more driver skill to do it. And the drivers have remarkably sensitive, delicate feel to what the car is doing, and that includes putting the power down. I mean, they just have to think a little more. I'm not so much worried about it being safe. I mean, Formula One cars are about as safe as you can get being in a moving vehicle, and especially anything going that fast. My concern is more if five people crash out at some corner because they spin off the track and they're stuck in a gravel trap, then there's that many fewer cars in the race, and it makes it that much less exciting. I guess it's not so much a safety concern as just... You know, wouldn't that suck if on the formation lap everyone goes into turn one and gooses the throttle a little bit too much and have people spin into each other? I don't know, though. A few years back, there was a really heavy rain at the uh, Brazilian Grand Prix, and about five or six drivers spun off one of the last turns um, in the race, including Michael Schumacher, and had nothing to do with traction control. They just did a, they spun off on entry instead, locking up the rear brakes on entry. So, so imagine how bad it's going to be when they don't have traction control. So what I'm, my point is, is that, you know, 
if it's really slick and they get caught off guard, I mean, that can happen in any way. The fact that they don't have traction control, you know, that's a more controllable spin than brake lockup, in my opinion. So you want them to have ABS then, is that what you're saying? Yes, and stability control. And, 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 um, uh, cruise control. Automated cruise control. That would be, oh, like radar cruise where it sets right, the distance. Exactly, that, exactly. Nice. So, I mean, it should be interesting. And, I mean, I guess the, the hope here is it'll sort of separate the men from the boys, right? You know, like that some of the, you know, the younger hotshot drivers that maybe rely more on the electronics. Separate the boys from the slightly older boys. <laughs> uh, but, um, <laughs> separate, separate the boys from Weber and Cool Thunder. <laughs> I mean, not to, you know, harp on those guys too much, but, I mean, come on. Yarno Truly's no young gun, though, either. I mean, let's keep that in mind. He's, he's you know, okay, he's a family fine. man these days. Separate the boys from truly cool Thard and Weber. Yeah, there you go. There we go. Um, so, we'll, I mean, we'll just, I guess, we'll have to see how that plays out. I think the, the new McLaren has a little bit of longer wheelbase, but just for a little added stability, um, you know, in corners and everything, so they can get on the power pretty well. Now, and, don't and they, do have, they have a maximum wheelbase that you can have? Yeah. So and does it's that probably, mean McLaren was under that maximum wheelbase? It's probably longer by like a millimeter and a half yeah, or something. I was going to say because anyway. they probably I mean, have a minimum wheelbase too. Yeah, and they're probably you know it's it's just a, it's, it's measured in microns here. So yes. you know what are you going to do? But uh, so I mean it'll be interesting to see how the, uh, the the car designs change and the new cars do look just more, mostly it's the aerodynamics and the, and the rules about the new cockpit rules and the way the side pods work and everything. You know the, the new cars do look a bit different from the the 07 cars. Um, and we'll have to see. I mean, it, it, you can't tell the wheelbase difference. It's not like a drastically different-looking car or anything, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's. I guess we'll just see how, you know, if, if it separates the men from the, the, the men from the boys. And well, the, there's there's still a lot. I mean, we still have some preseason testing to check out, and, you know, the first race is 65 days away in Australia, the Melbourne race, March 16th. Uh, I personally can't wait. But there's going to be a whole lot of testing a whole lot of new stories and developments coming on, and there's going to be testing and new bits being added to the cars, and some of the cars haven't even even been introduced yet, so there's still a lot to come. Way too early to know exactly what's going to happen, but, uh, I mean, certainly at the basic level, you can bet that Ferrari's going to be competitive. You can sure as hell bet that McLaren's going to be competitive. I wouldn't be... I don't think it would be that bad of an idea to put a little money on Williams. Uh, it wouldn't be that bad of an idea to put some money on BMW Sauber. You just want to put your money everywhere. I'm just looking at the, the overview, the MP423, the, the brand new McLaren, and what you don't see is that double plane front wing where the where one plane, the, like the main plane, would sort of go down under the nose of the car, and yeah. and the secondary plane would go up over it, you know, making like a whole entire loop. That's gone. I don't know if that's a regulation thing or if that's just the the different design, but they don't they changed that. But the aerodynamics around the rear of the car just look really wild. Actually, the lower plane of the of the rear wing is like now two curves, and I mean it's really pretty tricky. And what's 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 interesting? It seems like every year, I mean, if you look at a Formula One car from like 2002, it looks like just all these straight lines on it. You know, the front and rear wings are like flat. You know, right? And and and, and everything just looks so basic and simple. It looks like you could build it out of Lego blocks. You know, and then it's like every year they just more and more parts of the car just get swoopier and swoopier. But if you looked at a Formula One car. From '92, the O2 car looks swoopy. Yeah, it's and it's just like and and every time we see the new car, we're like, how how is it going to get swoopier? And I think that's the word we use, is swoopier as yeah, well. That's the technical. But they're finding. I mean, the this the front wing on this new McLaren looks like something off the Batmobile. I mean, it's really pretty wild. So, I, you know, they're obviously just spending huge amounts of time and money in the wind tunnel. And, and there is the cost savings you can put. You want cost savings? One Formula One wind tunnel. Each team gets it an hour a day. Yeah, man. There is your cost savings right there. 
And then they can just use Batmobile parts if they run out of time. Hey, man, Batmobile worked on that. Right, exactly. What else? Anything? (laughs) (laughs) No. Ferrari says they're ready to move on from the spy scandal. Okay. That's great since they won everything. I mean, yeah, it's like you're not the guys that need to move on so much. Um, That's, I mean, I guess, you know, that's, Photos are, are starting to come out of uh, cars that you know the MP423 out on track. Um, you know, Hecky Hecky Kovalainen's made his driving debut for McLaren. They're all you know getting them out on track, getting some some miles on the car and everything. And it's all I guess just regular preseason stuff. Oh wait, I take back everything I said about the about the dual plane front wing. This testing shot in the in the in the car release, it didn't have a dual plane front wing. And the uh, shot of the of the MP423 out in testing, it does have that piece again. So. Maybe they're still sorting that out, and maybe by the time we get to right. the... Uh, There's going to be a lot of front-wing, rear-wing play. They're going to be doing a lot of things. Honda's going to introduce the car, then scrap it entirely, and then reintroduce another car. Yeah, man. Be the B car, the, the second race. I mean, by the, time we get to the, by the time we get to Melbourne, I'm sure the McLaren will be like a triplane or something, and it'll, yep. it'll actually go upside down. The McLaren will actually be a helicopter <laughs> that lands right on the field, on the tractor. Could be, man. So what we're... Well... I have to say, I don't even know about Jim, but what I'm most excited about is actually not the race itself, but the F1 show and what could potentially be coming your way. Yeah, man, we got big plans for... Big! Wow, I knew it was that big. Yeah, it was yeah, big. Big plans for 2008 and for um, getting the word out and getting more exciting fans going with uh, with Formula 1 coverage. Um, we do want to bring you some live coverage from a race. We're going to leave it a mystery as to which one, um, and it may not even be Formula 1. May not Ooh. And uh, and hopefully some Formula One coverage as well, live stuff, um, some more shows, maybe some interviews, maybe some uh, some uh, uh, you know different different uh, like internet stuff over Skype and some. I mean we're we got all kinds of plans. Oh, it's brewing stuff we can't even tell you about. It's yet. so top secret. But, it's crazy. Uh, if you've got ideas of, of of super exciting things that you would want us to cover, um, things you want us to talk about, or ways you want us to talk about them, um, send us an email feedback at f one show dot com. Please do visit the website, f1show.com. I've done some work on the site and uh, hopefully streamlined it a little bit. Jim's worked ever so hard. Please look. I've done so much work for y'all. I, I, I approved it afterwards. And you did a great job of that, to be sure. Well, that was not easy. Certainly. So um, we want to get uh, some more set up with, uh, with Facebook and everything. We're, we're going to post all that on Facebook. Fa- wait, 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 wait. What's Facebook? You know, it's the, all the kids are using it these days. All the kids. Yes, it's for the it's for the children. I love the children. So, uh, so you can get in touch with us and listen to our shows right on the website and all that. So, uh, just hit up f1show.com if you have a chance next time you're at your yes, computer. If you're bored, what we really want is your business. Exactly. <laughs> and no one besides you and me is going to know what the hell you're talking about. Oh, but I don't care. Okay, great. So. <laughs> Till uh, we we may have we may speak to you again before the opening season before the oh, opening we round. Will. We will positive PMA Jim. We will definitely talk to you before the opening season. Okay, without a shadow of a doubt. All right, there you have it, <laughs> folks. And uh, until then, I'm Jim Lau, and I'm Robin Warner. See you.